So would you welcome and honor Susan Folkler? Isn't it nice to be known and (gasps) sweet? Thank you. Yay. Well, you guys have been sitting down for a while. I want to do something kind of fun, maybe just to shake things up a little bit. Does that sound okay? I was reading my Bible this week. That's that's always good, huh? (laughs) Um, I was noticing, gosh, there's a lot of elder brothers or elder sisters and, and youngest brothers or sisters. So I'm just kind of curious, how many out there are like the oldest in your family? Yeah? I, I suppose if you're an only child, you get to do both. But how about how many youngest do we have? Babies. Okay, now, okay, now, now, I want to know how many middle, middle, you guys get to stand up. The middle children, okay, yeah. And did you guys know that this week there was a middle child day? Of course, nobody knew, right? Isn't that the way it always is? I just, just thought I'd share that. Wanted to make you guys, you know, feel special for a change. I know. We are all actually very special, aren't we? And I have no idea why there aren't middle children addressed in the Bible, but we know they're there. There's a lot of them. Probably because they're so amazing, God never had problems with them. Okay, I'll be good. <laughs> anyway. Okay, God. Yeah, so, um, so I'm just going to pray, Jesus, that you um, help me here. And help me speak what you want to release tonight through me. And I just know you're always, you're always working on our behalf. You're always there. Um, hey, sometimes we don't know how to quite find you or see you, God. But I just ask, hey, that tonight you would um, just give us grace, ears to hear, eyes to see what you have for us. Hearts ready, available, open, God, to to just bless and expand who you are in us, God, because you know we are always needing more. We're always needing more, and especially, God, this um, for myself and for all of us, Lord, just to um, help us see more clearly than ever how you see us, how you see our world. Give us understanding. Lord, of um, how you want to be in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, thank you for your name, in your name, Jesus. Amen. There. So, yeah, I'm going to wanted to, um, I kind of titled this, Becoming So Heavenly Minded, We Become Earthly Good. How many of you have ever heard that saying about don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? I never liked that. Even before I didn't know why I didn't like that, I didn't like it. But of course, it's all in the scripture. It's all about being focused on the things above and let things become on heaven as, on earth as they are in heaven. And that's sort of our mandate as believers, isn't it? Because we, have be, we are now becoming saved means we are now ambassadors from heaven to earth. 
and we start thinking differently and we start seeing things differently. I know I work, I have a day job and and I'm so I'm around non-believers a lot and just the way they think and approach things it's just like you know, and you can't always say anything because they're often not going to get it. They've been so trained um, in their understanding by the world. Um, So it's kind of refreshing to be around believers. (laughs) After being around the world for a while, like, oh, people who actually know how to think and uh, see things from an internal perspective. But um, we're here to be ambassadors. Um. I want to share something about how do we get there? How do we um, sort of help us learn to focus more from heaven to earth? And also how to maintain it. Because we're walking on earth and there's a lot of things that happen. We're just walking through stuff every, every day. Every week we are walking through stuff. And we just need to continually be reminding ourselves of who we are. And I know at the Bethel Advance recently I was encouraged um, that it's time to stop making excuses for myself. You know, those little kind of thoughts you sometimes have, oh, it won't matter if I, if I don't do this thing that I probably should do. Or it's, I think we're in a season now. It's time to put that aside and stop expecting less of ourselves and start stepping up. We are them. We are the saints of today, you guys. We are those. We are those who are being written about in heaven. Um, even now, they're looking down and saying, what are, what are you going to do? There's some opportunities right there, right around the door, you know, right around that next corner. There's an opportunity. What are you going to do? You are, God is waiting to work through you, move through you with power. And it really just kind of takes opening our eyes to see. It's not about how great we are. It's about how great he is and keeping that focus and perspective in mind. Because all of us have a great big Holy Spirit inside of us, don't we? So I wanted to just um, start by sharing. um, I've kind of had to learn this the hard way myself. Uh, I was raised in a family that was kind of the school of blame, blame, shame, and ridicule. And probably a few of you know what I mean by that. There was not much encouragement, no hugs, no I love yous. So I, I had pretty low self-esteem. And just would you know, wake up feeling bad about myself, go, go to bed feeling bad about myself. It was just this negative, negative treadmill going in my head all the time, and I got saved and not much changed. And I wasn't around a lot of people that were filled with the Spirit. I didn't really know what to do to feed myself and get good stuff going on in the inside. And I think it wasn't until I had children and I started sort of looking at other friends who were having children the same, my same, the same age as, as my kids and thinking, I wish I could be as sweet and encouraging as all of them because I just... I would try, but it would feel like it would come from such a shallow place. Do you know what I mean? I would try so hard to, you know, hug them and, and be affectionate. And I was somewhat affectionate, but, but it was hard. I really had to battle to learn 
how to speak really tender and lovingly to them. I had to battle. I had to just work through the hard way. To look, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And I so wanted to be like some of those other parents I saw that they were just, you know, just ooey, do, ooey, gooey, lovey, dovey, affectionate. And they were like cheerleaders. And I'm like, I don't even know what it is to be a cheerleader. I never had anybody be a cheerleader. Ha So I will tell you this. I had to battle through for that thing so hard because I wanted it so bad. And it took years and years and years. But now, when I see someone, and I want to encourage them, it is coming from something so deep inside of me. And I can feel it from my, just my toes. I can feel it. When I tell somebody, I believe in you, or I am proud of you, or I just like, I am so glad to see you, it just comes from something deep. Because for so many years, I'm like, ah. So I just want to say that, um, and we're going to keep on kind of going after that tonight too. If you're feeling like, I have tried and I have tried, you know, the harder the battle is, you guys, when you get that breakthrough, it is going to be amazing. Don't give up. It's going to be worth it. The more you pay for it, the higher you're going to get. Hey! Yeah? It's absolutely true. And I'm going to actually, Wanda Lapazinski is going to share a little testimony in a little while that's going to share a little more about this whole theme. So maintaining... Okay. I guess I have to pause on the iPad until it presents. So there it is. So it, it is working good. Um... Maintaining our focus on heavenly things takes energy, takes intentionality. We, we make choices to do that because the world wants us to focus on things that really are very tempor- temporal, very fleeting, aren't going to last. And just take a look at the Internet or don't take a look at the Internet and all so many other things we could fill our minds with um, so many things are just pointless, and they actually kind of drain. They can drain us um, spiritually if we spend much time looking at them. So we want to be intentional. It can feel like a battle, like kind of like this. Like It can be a little unpleasant when we're trying to stand up for who we know we are. And um, just like we heard from Nina, there was times she's like, i got to stand up for what I know is right for that patient because I have, I have a feeling that's not the right decision. And that's, that can put you in kind of an awkward position. But sometimes you just have to stand and say, this is the truth and this is what is right. You might have to contend for what's right, for that thing that you want, for, the, for the, whatever it is you're battling in your life. And it's not going to come instant. And I think our society is, has sort of fed us this for so many years. We've had a society that's like that. We have it so easy in this, in this world, in this uh, country, in the grand scheme of things. We have things pretty easy if you look around the world a little bit. Um, and when it, things come easy, it's, we start taking things for granted we don't, um, and, and there's so much about immediate gratification in, our, in, this, in our society too that we start expecting things to happen quicker and when we have to work at them, we think, well, God must not be in it if I'm having to work at this thing or it's, it's just too, so hard. Um, and maybe sometimes that's true. 
but sometimes it's just just the way it is. It's a tension we live in. Um, there's this tension about living in heavenly places and glorifying God, and also sometimes we're going through something that's a little bit hard. Uh, and sometimes I think we discredit our faith when we go through something hard. I know I've been sometimes tempted to do that. Like, I just had this glorious time with God yesterday morning, but today I'm having all these negative thoughts. Well, that doesn't discredit what happened with my time with God yesterday at all. It's just, it's both and. It's not like one negates the other. I'm just saying it because I get, I hear people talk like that all the time. And I'm like, I don't think God look, looks at that at all. He's looking, oh, I just loved it when you came to me and you gave me that, you know, that, that sacrifice of praise. He's just looking at that and he's going, oh, that thing over there that stumbled you a little bit, I'm not even looking over there. You know, that's how he thinks about these things. But we've gotten feedback from people and we put our our that feedback, that message we get from people, we sometimes project that onto God. That being in that tension is and does include being very honest about your pain, about your struggle, while you are still believing in the goodness of God and having faith for his breakthrough. It's both and. We don't... It is not denying that you have fears and insecurities, doubts and frustrations and anger. We don't just shove those into a corner and pretend they're not there. Glory to God and I'm awesome and I'm wonderful. And never mind that I just, you know, my dog died and my wife left me and the car won't start. Real faith, real faith allows room for real feelings. It does. I will tell you that we who do inner healing work, an awful lot of what we do is helping people lock up those feelings that got stuffed down so deep. And they're causing all this anxiety and tension and stress when those feelings start to come up. So much better to open up those feelings and experience being met with Jesus. That's when healing takes place. That's the simplicity of being met in whatever emotion you thought was not so acceptable to God. And he's like, I want to be with you everywhere. In every feeling, in every situation, in every struggle, I want to be with you in all things. That's his heart for you. We become a new creation in an instant. The moment we said, Jesus, come on, be mine, we became his. But the maturing into Christ-likeness is a lifetime. We didn't become just like him in terms of our behavior and how we think in that moment. But we became perfected into him in an instant. See, we humans, we want to make that a formula, and that's why it's hard to understand and there's, it's a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it, with that tension of having both of those realities. We are and we are becoming both. Yeah. It's supernatural. 
I guess that's why we struggle with understanding it. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He did it. He did this amazing, miraculous thing in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, really, your job is to nurture and cultivate that amazing garden he planted in your heart. It will require some cultivation and some pruning and some fertilizing and some watering. It will to continue to grow and bloom, but he planted it perfectly. It's perfect. It's exactly what he wants. Your heart is all that he wants. And he wants your cooperation and participation in the growth and the nurture. We have part to do, don't we? We have already been recreated, perfect, and new. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. The New King James says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And in the message, now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. He is created new. (laughs) The old life is gone, a new one burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Perfect here, isn't it? It's perfect. We're perfect for him and he's perfect for us. He says, now... It's going to work that same way with the others around you. And that's our part. We need to cooperate with him with that, don't we? He doesn't do all that with us. He loves our free choice. And there's something about the nature of God and the nature of his perfect love that operates through, perfect, through our free choice. That's pretty risky, I think, for a God to do that. It's pretty risky for us as parents when our kids start growing up and they start making choices and we're kind of like, ha, ah, ah, ha, you don't want to do what, when? And we have, we have to, as they grow up, wise parents give them more and more space. Our job is to raise them up as the way they, in the way they should go and that means ah, go be adults at the right appropriate time. So he does that with us, doesn't he? I give you free choice, and I love you. He loves us all in having our free choice. Of course, we know he's praying for us like crazy, isn't he? (laughs) Always, (laughs) as we do for our kids. I want to share one other um, thing God was showing me this week about this whole theme, about who he wants to be. I had a dream early this week, um, which was a really interesting dream. I... um, I was in a big room like this, probably even bigger. I don't know. I was probably halfway back, I think. And up front, there was a very tall woman doing the teaching. Nobody I knew. I, I think I recognized when I, when I woke up. That's probably the Holy Spirit, I think. And she was teaching, and she gave every single one of us a scripture verse. Every single person. And we were going to, one by one, we were going to read our scripture verse. And then she looked at me and said... And I want you to pay particular attention 
to the verses about Pollyanna. I'm like, so I woke up, I'm like, Pollyanna, what the heck is that? <laughs> then I thought, wait a minute, that rings a bell. I think I, ah, I think that means something. I, don't, I never read the book. I guess it's a child's book. But what Pollyanna means is to be absurdly optimistic and good-hearted, believing in a good world where everything works out for the best all the time, being God-fearing and on a higher moral ground. And it's interesting, this poly, to be Pollyanna-ish sort of also means being kind of naive, and it's actually something people make fun of. But in my Bible, it talks about be like a child and come unto me. Be naive. Be sweet. Don't be cynical. Don't, be, don't have that all that suspicion about everything all the time. Be open. Be yearning. Be eager. Be in awe. That's what he wants us to be. He wants us to be recreated into children, into childlikeness where we're teachable, where we're eager for more of our papa, where we never get enough, where we just want to be with him because it's enough just to be with him, like a little child. He wants us particularly to bring the kingdom to earth like a child, was his message to me. And that is something we will need to cultivate because I will tell you, the world makes fun of it. The, The world... Take, puts that down. But it's who we can be unashamedly and without apology. Please, let's be all apolog- unapologetically naive and sweet in a world that really does want it. They're just so afraid. They're just so afraid of another ripoff. They are. Yeah, they are. Say, So we can say with Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the sweetness, the naivete, the honesty, the childlikeness of it. I am not ashamed of it, for it is the power of God for salvation and for everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith looks pretty childlike and foolish to the world sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's okay. That's who we are. We are people of faith, and we don't have to explain it. It's better caught than taught anyway, isn't it? Better if they taste it than you try and explain it to them. Just like they were doing up with the up at Round Valley. Here, taste some love. Here, this is how you'll get it. I love that watching somebody watching Christians by by praying with them. That's awesome. Yeah. And another scripture from uh, the scripture Philippians four eight and nine is an awesome one if you want to reset your mind and 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 cultivate that garden. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on these things. What is true. Noble, reputable, authentic, compelling and gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful and not the ugly, 
things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, that is Paul, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. See, what Jesus did at the cross, that was like, that ended it. The war is over. This is done. It is done and it is finished. Um, Sort of like at the end of World War II, we were fighting right on two fronts, Japan and and, um, Europe. And I believe it was in maybe May, I think May of 45, war was declared over in Europe. And I think maybe it was August or something, 45, with Japan. But how many of you know, in Europe, it was weeks to months before all the skirmishes finished. And with Japan, it was like months to years till the word got out. There was a lot of little islands where they hadn't got the word. The Japanese had not got the word that the war was over, and they were still fighting. The devil's kind of like that. Yeah, the war is over. This is it. It is finished. The battle is won. But that devil, I guess he did not sign the treaty, okay? He does not believe it's over yet. So you're going to have skirmishes to fight. And it's really taken place here in our minds, isn't it? And it is a battle. And it's normal to fight a battle from time to time. It Very much, this is normal. This does not necessarily mean you're going backwards with your faith. Or that you've... I mean, I get that pretty often when people come in for ministry, like for inner healing ministry. Am I losing my salvation? I just feel like I'm back. Well, no, you are not. This is a new battle. You know, it may feel like the same, but I think you're, so often what I'm seeing is, yeah, but you're a little bit higher up the mountain and it's getting a little more intense. The stakes are a little higher and that's why it's feeling harder, but you're actually gaining ground. I see that again and again and again with people. So keep going. You're gaining ground. You're getting stronger. You're getting more confident in your walk with Jesus. You have history with him. You can look back on and say, hey, look what we did there. And look what we did there. Yeah. You're getting there. Up that mountain, guys. Up that mountain. So I want to talk about a couple guys from the Old Testament. Yeah, we're doing okay on time. Um, One is Saul. Old Testament Saul, that is. You pro- I'm sure you guys all know this story. Saul was around back, way back when, and um, this was in the time when Samuel was a prophet, was sort of leading, overseeing Israel at that time. They did not have kings yet. And for whatever reason, the people were getting a little discontent, and they decided they wanted to have kings. They were looking around at all the other people going, hey, everybody else around us has got kings. We want to have a king. So Samuel was a prophet. So like a good prophet, he took that to God. And God said, sure, let him have a king. They're not going to be too happy with it, but we'll let him have a king since they're asking for it. And um, he said, the man is Saul. And you're going to know him because he's going to come looking for his donkeys. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Saul was out looking for donkeys and runs into Samuel. And so Samuel, the seer, was able to tell him, 
Okay, your donkeys are cool. They're back with your dad. No problem there. But come on, we need to talk. As it turns out, Saul was this tall, handsome, amazing man, but it sounds like he was a very fearful man as well. Um, so Saul says to him, I'm going to make you the king. I'm going to anoint you with oil, and you are going to be the next king. Um, and then, let's see, it's First Samuel 10, 6. And he starts prophesying over him. Then the spirit of the Lord will come mightily upon you, and you shall prophesy uh, with, some, with the other prophets, and you will be turned into another man. And when these signs meet you, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. And then um, he went off and did everything that Saul told him to do, or Samuel told him to do. And it says this, and then when he went and turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to him that day, came to pass that day. And when he met that band of prophets, the Spirit of God came mightily upon him, and he prophesied among them. He got to taste what it was to be a new man, just like that. He became a new man. I honestly believe what he tasted was his true self. I think he tasted what it was to live out of his original self, like his untainted self who was at one and and pure with God. He tasted that. But he didn't have the willingness to quite walk it out. Because then, as time went on, he became the king. He started listening to the people and listening to their concerns and worries. He got very concerned with pleasing the people. And he stopped wanting to follow God and obeying God. And he made up lots of excuses, and he started compromising in his life. Given an opportunity, he was able to taste what it was to be a new man, but didn't want to do the work it was going to take to keep cultivating that relationship with Jesus. He started believing the world system instead of the word of God. He didn't put his incredible new man experience into practice. I guess he didn't have his New Testament back at the time and didn't know Romans 12 too, which says do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's look at the next king. That would be David. And you guys know about David. Man after God's own heart. So David is chosen to be the next king when it's becoming clear that Saul's just just not going to be able to do it. Saul is not going to be willing to follow God's heart. And so um, God points David out to, or at least God says, you're going to know who it is when you see him, is what God tells Samuel. Time to go find a new king. And he sends him to Jesse's house. Jesse had a bunch of sons. An oldest, a youngest, and a whole bunch of middle sons, okay? (laughs) And so um, 
So Samuel goes to Jesse's house and he's checking out all the sons. Da, 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 no, not you, not you, not you, not you, not none of them. No, he's like, come on. You, apparently he heard God's voice very, very well. He's like, there's got to be another son because none of these, none of these are right. And they're like, well, we have a younger son. One of those babies, you know, everybody seemed to have a attitude towards this, the baby of the family, I guess. So he's out with a sheep. Do you really want... You really want to see him? It's like, yeah, I want to see him. And sure enough, when he saw David, he was the one. And the Lord said this about David. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. Remember Saul, this very attractive, handsome man. But the Lord looks at the heart. See, David was very rejected by his family. They disdained him several times. His brothers were putting him down in the scriptures. Um, One particular time was when um, David was just coming to give them food when he when they were fighting, they were um, facing off with Goliath, and David's just there to bring him food, and his big brothers like all putting him down. It's like, what are you here for, dude? Go back home. Go back with the sheep. And when David went to see what was going on with Goliath and he realized all those big strong guys nobody is willing to take on Goliath but you see David had worked had worked his stuff out with God he knew what it was to be rejected he knew what it was to be put down in his family but he had worked out a lot with God he'd fought he'd stood there with those sheep he had chosen to do in secret what only God saw when there was bear and when there was lions coming to take out the sheep, he learned to fight them. He learned to, to what it was to have God as his deliverer. He knew it. He knew that he knew that he knew because he worked this out with God. He worked out a history with God that he knew who his God was. He knew, he'd learned to do the warfare 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do, waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are, my, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And that's really, I think, what David did. Because he could have made a bunch of lame excuses. Well, I'm just the little brother and nobody cares for me and poor little me. Who cares if they all get killed off by this Goliath guy? But he went to fight for them because he's like, I know who God is for me. I don't know about you, but he was a boy and he's killing lions and bears. That doesn't quite make sense to me. And then he takes out this giant with a slingshot. I don't, I don't know. Somehow, it seems to me there, there had to be something supernatural in all that. That something about David, like God would like show up, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I think there's more to that story that doesn't quite translate because he just had such a confidence in who God was for him that he just had no fear. Like, sure, I'll take on Goliath. Got my slingshot. I am good. I know who my God is. My God will deliver us today. And again, it was because what he, that time, that stuff he'd worked out with God, 
Nobody else knew what was going on. I want to read one more scripture here before I have um, Wanda come up. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12, where we read what Paul has to say about what it is to walk this life, kind of heaven on earth. That we are this amazing treasure who God has created us to be. We have discovered this treasure where it was hidden all along in these frail skin suits made of clay. We take no credit for finding it there. It took the enormous power of God in the achievement of Christ to rescue our minds from the lies it believed. We often feel completely hemmed in on every side, but our inner space remains unrestricted. When there seems to be no way out, we escape within. At times... We are persecuted to the extreme, but we are never abandoned. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. Wherever we go, wherever we in, whatever we encounter in our bodies, we bear witness within us of the fact that Jesus died our death. In this same body, we now exhibit his life. The fact that we co-died in his death confirms that we now co-live in his resurrection. Our day-to-day experience continues to exhibit that even in the face of death, our association with the death Jesus already died remains the inspiration of his life made so clearly visible within us. This is in such contrast to the circumstances that we often are faced with. Living aware of our co-crucifixion with Christ in the face of death, death-threatening circumstances inspires life in you. I love that. Living aware of our co-crucifixion life in Christ living as a continuum. He died, and we get to, on a continuous basis, the, real, the reality of that is ours to complain, just absolutely to, to claim it's yours. He died and fully resurrected. You, you co-died, and you are co-resurrected with him in every day of your life, in all that you do. That is your reality, your living and breathing Reality, his life flowing through you in fullness. So we thank you, Lord, for what you did and what you're doing and what you continue to do. So I'm wondering if Wanda could come up and share. She was telling me... She was telling me a little bit of her story, more than I think I'd ever heard before recently. I'm like, oh my goodness, could you share this? And I think you said you weren't sure you'd ever really shared it. I don't think so. So you guys get ready to be blessed and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So 
my story. Um, this was late in 2006. Um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it really hit me hard. It was just that panic. I panicked for like a day or two. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell anyone. It was just like this total place of craziness. And totally by the Holy Spirit, I said to God, I said, after that day or two, I said, Lord, I, if you heal me, that's fine. And if you don't heal me, that's fine. And that was totally the Holy Spirit. Even when I say it now, I can't believe I said it. But I meant it. It was through the power of God that I said that. And when I, when I spoke that, I got this total supernatural peace that never left me. It was totally miraculous. And Joe and I were listening to um, The Names of God on the Way Here by John Paul Jackson. And it struck me, he, he said one of the names of God was, I am the altar of peace for your fear. And I was like, that just really, it was so perfect for tonight because it was that surrender, that sacrifice of me to him. And the reward was his peace. So this peace carried me through every procedure, every um, circumstance, every surgery, uh, through chemo, there wasn't a night that I couldn't sleep, and that was totally supernatural. But I knew, I knew by the power of God that I had to protect it. I just, and just God just put that on my heart. I had to protect the peace that he'd given me. And what that meant for me was I um, became very vigilant. I stopped watching TV altogether. I only listened to worship music. I was careful who I talked to. Even when I went to a doctor's appointment, often they have a TV going in the waiting room, I wouldn't sit in the room. I would go outside and say, you have to call me in. It was that strong. But I was so blessed by that. And it was just, you know, just the fact that I could sleep every night and not be concerned. And this, you know, it's a, it's a period of months that you go through. So I was so thankful and you know, looking back on all of it, um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I learned so much through that. It was a whole new place for me with God. It was um, transformational. So I'm very thankful. Um, and I believe that, you know, that's where the Holy Spirit's our tutor. You know, he was tutoring me on what I had to do to, to grab hold and keep the gift that he'd given me. So that's my story. Yeah, wow, huh? Yeah, so it's like, okay, you guys, we don't have a lot of excuses next to Wanda's story. And I know, and I don't, I'm sure you heard this the way she shared it too. It wasn't about not watching TV, and it wasn't about listening to this music or that. It was about doing what she knew, what she needed to do to protect and cultivate that place in her heart so she could stand firm and keep her focus on Jesus, and that's what it's about. And it's going to look different for each and every one of, the, one of us in this room. It's going to look different for whatever, and we're going to actually do a little um, exercise in a few minutes. 
That's so cool. You mentioned about the names of God because we're actually going to go after that a little bit tonight. So how cool is that? There's been a song. I know you guys are probably familiar with this song that's really been um, sort of resonating in my mind lately a lot. That song, He Loves Me. Oh, he, I don't want to sing for you, but, <clears throat> you know, he talks <laughs> about, you know, when heaven, when heaven kisses earth with a sloppy wet kiss, that song, he loves me, oh, how he loves me. And there's this one phrase in there that says, I don't have time to maintain these regrets. I tell you, you guys, the times we, we don't have time to harbor resentments. We don't have time to nurture judgments and unforgiveness. You guys, those kinds of things, they, they keep us from being able to be useful for God. Now, I'm with you. I struggle with some of those things sometimes. But when we struggle with them, we're like, God, help me with this. That's what we do. Because the room we give those things is absolutely taking up space he wants to inhabit. They are. Hey. I know because when you get released to those things, there's so much more space for so much joy and goodness. It's incredible. We don't have time for those things. The, the world out there is hungry for what we have. We need to be so filled with life. It's like, we don't have time for that. What's the point of that stuff? That's just ripping me off. Sometimes we have a hard time letting go of that stuff because sometimes it's a, it's a justice thing. And I get that. Like, but if I let go of this stuff, will I get justice? Well, actually, Jesus already bought your justice for you. And any justice we might want to claim our own does not hold a candle to the justice of God coming to earth and putting himself on the cross for you, shedding every drop of blood for you. That's just, hey, that's our justice paid in Right there, he did it. Shay. Hey, co-crucified with Christ. Come on, baby. Yeah, all of y'all. So I'm just going to proclaim now. And yeah, we went to the tomb with him. We went to hell with him. And that stone is rolled away. And we are glorified with him already. Hey. Already, you're glorified with him. Already. Our spirits get this. Our, our souls are still catching up, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Oh, so we're going to finish with this. We're going to do a little exercise, all of you, together. We're going to do this. I have a question for you. What do you need God to be for you? David figured out, I need God to be my deliverer. That's who I need God to be for me. And he went after it, and he got it. God, my deliverer. Saul needed a lot. Probably he needed to know, he really didn't need to know he was special to, to God, but he didn't know how to go after that. Wanda knew, I need God to be my my peace for me. I need God to be my peace for me. I knew I needed to understand how God can be my encourager. 
I had to go after that. How do I, I don't know how to be encouraged. I need to learn how to make God be my encourager so I can become the encourager I want to learn to be. So I want you all to think right now, is there maybe a prophetic word? Just, we'll stick with one thing. I want each of you to think of one part of your life, one aspect of your life where maybe you need a breakthrough. Maybe you need an upgrade in your knowing who God is for you in that place. Um, I don't know what, it'll be, what it might be, but I'm just going to ask God to show you that one thing, that one place in your life. It's like, God, I really need to know you in this place, and I've never really known you in this place. I'll share for myself. I still need an upgrade in really knowing God's comfort how to receive his comfort, because that's, a foreign, again, one of those foreign concepts to me from my upbringing, and I'm learning, but I'd like more. So I'm going to just, um, so I want you just to think right now, what would that one be? And what I'm going to do, I intentionally did not print these things out. I think I have like nine or ten of the names of God, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak them over you. And as I speak each one over you, I want you to grab hold of that one that seems to be the answer to whatever your felt need is. Okay? Just one. Just try one because it'll be too hard to remember more. I didn't want to be distracted with a bunch of papers, though. But So let me read it over you. How does that sound? You'll know when it's the right one for you. And then I'm going to go back and say them all one more time as a proclamation. We'll say them all together as a proclamation, okay? All right. The Lord is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, the all-sufficient one, the all-sufficient source of all our blessings, God who completely nourishes satisfies and supplies his people with all their needs, our sustainer. The Lord is El Elyon, the most high God, the extreme sovereignty and majesty of God and his highest preeminence. The Lord Adonai, the Lord my great Lord, God is the master and majestic Lord. He is total authority. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my miracle, my refuge. He is our banner of encouragement to give hope and a focal point. In battle, opposing nations would fly their own flags to give hope to their nations. Elohim, the all-powerful one, creator of the universe who knows all, creates all, and is everywhere. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. He reveals himself unceasingly. He comforts, feeds, and leads his flock to pasture. He desires intimate connection with us, his people. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. God has not, nor will he ever abandon us, 
but will ever restore and seek the habitation of our hearts. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. God intervened by providing a sacrifice when Abraham prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac. When we have nothing to give, he is there. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. The absence of all strife and anxiety. Rest. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God has provided the final cure for spiritual, physical, and emotional sickness in Jesus Christ. Let me just go back. Oh, it works. (laughs) So how about that? Did any of you hear a... Yeah. Hey. So now let's stand up and let's proclaim. Can, I know it's a little small. Can you see it okay? Yeah. Let's pronounce, just, let's just um, pronounce these over our lives. Because this is Jesus Christ. This is the living word. This is his life in us. These aren't just names, words. These are living living qualities of the glory of God. How many know his, his name? His names express his glory. It's like every one of his names is one aspect of his glory, and the fullness of his names is his glory. Which is why it takes forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, forever and ever and ever, that they are, they are laying down and bowing before him as they get new revelations, fresh revelations in heavenly places of who he is. We're never going to be done seeing the fullness of the glory of our king. And he wants to start revealing it in our lives now. Okay, we say, Lord, you are El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, the all-sufficient one, the all-sufficient source of all our blessings, God who completely nourishes, satisfies, and supplies his people with all their needs, our sustainer. Ellen Yon, the Most High God, the extreme sovereignty and majesty of God, and his highest preeminence. The Lord is Adonai, the Lord, my great Lord. God is the master and majestic Lord. He is total authority. The Lord is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Sure. He's our banner of encouragement to give hope and a focal point. In battle, opposing nations would fly their own flags to give hope to their soldiers. The Lord is Elohim, the all-powerful one, creator of the universe who knows all, creates all, and is everywhere. The Lord is Jehovah Ra, the Lord my... Oh, sorry. The Lord, my shepherd, he reveals himself unceasingly. He comforts, feeds, and leads his flock to pasture. He desires intimate connection with us, his people. Jehovah Shema. Oh. God has not, nor will ever abandon us, but will ever restore and seek the habitation of our hearts. The Lord is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. 
God intervened by providing a sacrifice when Abraham prepared to sacrifice his own son Isaac. When we have nothing to give, he is there. The Lord is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace, the absence of all strife and anxiety, rest. The Lord is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God has provided the final cure for spiritual, physical, and emotional sickness in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray over you, and then it'll be time for you all to get the kids, your kids. Ah, thank you. You are everything. You are our every answer, God. You fill every gap, every void. So, so I just want to, I just pray life and fire, God, on any, in any way we saw tonight how you want to meet us in that place of need, God. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear our hearts to receive in new ways, fresh mercies at your hands, God, that you're right there. You want to help. You want to minister to us more than we even, oh, no, God. So help us just keep the revelation flowing, God. Keep our eyes on, on the things above and know that your way of minister, ministering to us makes a difference in our lives. Hey, ho, whoa. So just fresh encouragement, God, and fresh life for your people, Lord. Hey, in your name, Jesus. Amen.